Hello, everyone. Welcome and thank you for joining. This is the Rooted Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panetta. As always, we are downtown in Salem, Oregon, in studio. Salem is home to Groundwork and Leadership Institute. And this institute is unique, probably one of the only ones of its kind where it's this philanthropic endeavor and partnership with the community, truly invested in leaders. We don't want to make a profit on this. We're not trying to start a business here. We really just want to support leaders in our community. So we founded this institute. We want leaders, great leaders now and for many years to come. And uh, this is our part in being intentional in that process. Uh, It takes a community and it takes a lot of resources to really make great leaders. And so that's what we set out to do. And as part of that, we understand that we're not the experts. Uh, We don't ever claim to be experts, but we feel like as a community that we have all the information necessary to help leaders grow and become the leaders that their community needs them to be and become the leaders that their organizations need them to be. And so this podcast is just one small effort, well, one small thing in that effort to gather, compile, and institutionalize uh, leadership knowledge. Uh, We have community leaders come in and teach some of our sessions. We fly and bring out authors and other well-known thought leaders to participate uh, and spend time with our leadership cohorts. Uh, So we are rarely the ones at the podium uh, preaching leadership. Uh, We want leaders to learn from one another and learn together. So great episode today. Uh, We have a friend from Southern California coming up. And her name is Kay Hazen. And uh, we met her a couple months ago. Well, a few months back, uh, we got connected. She was recommended as somebody that would be a great presenter to our leadership group. And so we had her out here. We flew her up and she was fantastic. And so uh, that was the first time that I got to meet her in person. And before that was just several phone calls. So we're really excited to get her uh, on a phone call today with us to join us for this episode. So we're going to phone her up as well as Salam, our co-host, is going to be joining here in just a few moments. All right. So we have Kay joining us on the line. Uh, Kay, thank you for joining in with us today. That's my pleasure. Uh, thanks. Good to be here. Yeah. Uh, so Kay, I gave a, a brief intro um, uh, about you, uh, but would love to hear more from you because you know, we 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 met the first time when you you came and spent uh, the day out with our leadership group. Uh, we were connected before that, and only you know corresponded through email and and phone call. So uh, I know a little bit about you, but would love for you to share um, you know more about you and and your your background uh, professionally, certainly, and anything personally that you'd love to share um, for our listeners. Okay. Well, the Basically, uh, my current firm uh, specializes in strategic communications and public affairs. So we do uh, strategy and planning and issues management, uh, communications, marketing, outreach, um, and represent um, ideas, issues, and and projects uh, in Southern California, but also um, in other parts of California. We're we're pretty much a California-based firm. Although we do special projects in in locations uh, all across the country, uh, depending on you know their alignment with uh, our area of expertise or interest. So um, my background really is uh, as a um, um, Iowa and Illinoisan. Um, I was born and raised in Iowa and grew up in Illinois. Uh, went to school there. I started uh, my career as as a high school and uh, a college student interning in radio and television uh, in Illinois. And that's what I thought I was going to do uh, for the rest of my life. That's what I always wanted to do and thought that would be my career path. But after going to uh, college and uh, learning and experiencing and doing some internships in radio and television, I was hired out of out of college to start a one-person department in a hospital, of all things. So industrial television in those days, they used to call it. And we built a, um, uh, an 
they call it a master antenna system for a community-based hospital. So I was doing um, and producing content in those days for healthcare, uh, staff education, physician education, and patient education. And that was not exactly what I thought I'd be doing, uh, but uh, it opened a career for me in healthcare that lasted more than 25 years. So that's the start. That then led to uh, uh, an opportunity from Illinois uh, to move to California. And uh, I did that in 1986 uh, to work in um, a community-based hospital in Palm Springs, California, and uh, built a marketing and communications department and um, and also uh, started uh, the uh, heart surgery program at this hospital and added other departments along the way, including, you know, physician recruitment, um, uh, expanded um, uh, programs and services for outreach, mostly in outpatient areas, including launching a testing a facility in a local mall, which uh-huh. was, oh golly, uh, 20 years ago or more, and which uh, um, kind of amusing, now we're seeing it happen all over again Mm -hmm. in new ways as pharmacies and uh, testing centers uh, proliferate uh, in settings of all kinds uh, across the country. Uh, So really great and innovative. I've been so fortunate to have opportunities to innovate in uh, both the healthcare field and then later in uh, outside in uh, the private sector in a variety of, of settings and for a variety of projects as I went to work out after healthcare for private development and, um, and mostly represented um, large-scale projects, permitting projects, uh, but also things like um, the multi-species habitat plan in Southern California, uh, which was a great experience and opened up all sorts of opportunities for working in the environmental field. Uh, and also took me to um, a lot of nonprofit work in conservation and land trust. So okay. I started my firm in you know, 20 years ago and, and have been you know, working in those fields ever since. Wow. So well, if I haven't bored everyone to death by now. <laughs> no, that is, uh, I mean, that is a, a breadth of experience. Um, and and uh, it, it showed when you were with our group, uh, obviously, the experience that you you know you brought to the table, um, both with your your personal perspective and stories on things, and just your knowledge around the concepts that you were um, you were presenting to the group. So uh, it showed, and and you explaining uh, more about your history, um, you know, speaks to that. So I appreciate that. And most of our listeners know, you know, that you know this leadership institute. We're not a, a business. We're not a we're not trying to make a profit. You know, it's part of our philanthropic uh, endeavors that's funded by, um, you know, the gentleman or the the philanthropist that we, you know, we work for. And that was kind of how you were connected to us was you, uh, you know, you know him. And so um, how did you uh, come across uh, LT down there in, in Palm Springs? Was it work with some of the nonprofits that you do down there or? Yes. So I do uh, both nonprofit and uh, public and private work. And oftentimes these days, I tend to take uh, large projects so that I can take some small ones. And that uh, it allows me, if I limit the number of large projects I take, it leaves room for some of the smaller projects and in the nonprofit world, which I enjoy very much. And I was working on one of those uh, and was had the, uh, the pleasure of being introduced to LT. and. Uh, and we struck up, a, um, you know, we're kind of kindred spirits on several issues and several project areas, including uh, leadership and but also um, career based education, which is another one of my uh, the areas that I enjoy working. Awesome. You know, the, when the networking and the connections start to happen, um, you know, things really begin to unfold and it all contributes, you know, to efforts like this. Um, some of them unplanned. And, you know, that was uh, an unplanned connection and we were all able to benefit from it. So, um, you know, I I'm pre- appreciate you sharing that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. If I, if I may jump in here, I, um, I'm really intrigued by sort of the beginning of your journey 25 years ago when you were presented with a leadership opportunity 
And uh, I remember you sharing with me a little bit about this, but um, I'm really curious about what really um, inspired you, or I would even say gave you the courage to jump on this opportunity. It's not what you were looking to do, perhaps, but you saw a leadership opportunity and you weren't afraid to, to take it. And you ran with it, and it led to this absolutely wonderful, phenomenal career and really meaningful work. So can you reflect back on you know, what, what uh, inspired you to pursue this opportunity? Did you feel prepared? And if you didn't feel prepared, um, what motivated you to jump in? You know, it's, it's, it's been an interesting reflection just talking with you all about it and, and preparing for a presentation to the group that gave me the opportunity to reflect on all of this, which, you know, you don't often, I don't often do. And it reminded me just how good an education I had and a strong foundation that I'd been provided. In, in this um, in this college program that was um, that was created in those days, it was uh, nearly unheard of, especially in a community community setting, to have a full on uh, radio and television curriculum available. And in my case, in a community college setting, and uh, the the professor who uh, created it, Bob Fletcher, was quite a visionary. And um, and saw and developed an opportunity with the local cable company uh, to build this program. I mean, imagine that in the mid seventies, uh, having a program like this where students were were not just taught but given the opportunity to apply that learning real time with real settings and real world settings. So. Uh, the kind of training that I that I got is what prepared me so incredibly uh, to not be afraid of of um, opening that door and uh, leaping into an opportunity when presented. Uh, the other thing that was uh, unique was to be provided um, from another innovator, uh, the CEO of the hospital that I went to work for was also an innovator and saw an opportunity when building a new. Um, uh, wing of the hospital to install this closed circuit television system uh, at the same time as the time they were building it also kind of an unheard of uh, thing that was going on. And I'll tell you a quick story about the uh, interview that I had. So the, uh, uh, the executive came to our college and interviewed students because he thought, you know, this was a great opportunity to get a young person who uh, could, could grow uh, and uh, take advantage of this opportunity that, that the hospital was presenting. So he interviewed, I don't know, three or five, three to five students. Uh, we were all recommended by our uh, professors uh, for these interviews or the end of our program. And um, my interview, during my interview, uh, uh, this uh, Ron Hightoff was uh, his name, and he presented me with a, a sheet, rolled out a sheet of blueprints for the master antenna system for this hospital and said, all right, so uh, here's the, you tell me, um, tell me what you see here and how you think we ought to um, take the next steps. And, and I said, I have absolutely no idea. Uh, I, I'm not an engineer, but I'm a content creator. And so I'll tell you what I think we, that we could do. Uh, to create educational content for those audiences. And he was, he said, you're hired. <laughs> I, I laughed. And he, he, I said, well, uh, what do you mean? He said, you're the only one who admitted that you didn't know mm. what these blueprints really were all about. And of course we hadn't learned that, uh, that we were not in the engineering or technical part. We knew how to work the equipment and uh, run the uh, the boards and all of that. But uh, there was no way I knew anything about, you know, those uh, uh, complex blueprints. So, so, you know, it taught me an important lesson that I, that I practice to this day. Uh, tell the truth. Yeah. If you don't know, say you don't know. And uh, it really has served me well, I have to say, uh, throughout my career. And certainly acknowledging uh, the areas where um, I don't have expertise, 
and and being able to find and connect with people who do. Yeah. So a valuable, valuable leadership lesson right at the beginning. Uh, that's a that's a that's a powerful story. I think a lot of a lot of people can relate to that because you know, part of becoming a, a leader is being asked to do things that you don't know how to do and and uh you know you you don't know how to be a leader until you lead really <laughs> and so um you know there's a moment i think in a lot of leaders uh lives and careers where where they are asked to do something um uh that they might not know how to do and and there's probably a lot going through their brains uh you know th- th- one that you mentioned is telling the truth and and another is maybe feeling a bit overwhelmed with the task at hand um but i think how we respond to those moments is is really important um in in the type of leader that that we become and the impact that we end up having so i, I love that story actually um i can personally relate to it yeah well it, it sounds speaking just picking up on what chris just shared um speaking of impact so it sounds like these two individuals had a tremendous impact on you and your leadership career and path, has that guided you or influenced you in how you develop and developed and cultivated leaders along your journey? Absolutely. Both of them, in fact, were incredible uh, influencers for me and, and wonderful role models. Uh, the first, um, Bob Fletcher, who, who was a true innovator and fearless leader, and was, and created something that uh, continues to exist and evolve to this day. Uh, it really taught me the value of vision and uh, confidence in um, in your uh, belief. Uh, the the second, uh, Ron Hightoff, was uh, went on to lead um, the flagship hospital for the Humana system in Louisville, and uh, and and they were both really um, young men at the time who went on to great success and some of the lessons that I learned from them uh, served me so well and continue to do so to this day. And I think those are, you know, it's an important takeaway that uh, I also part of a thing I learned is uh, listening, listening to uh, these um, visionaries and, um, and, and being aware of uh, the opportunities for learning that exist is something that I continue to do uh, to this day. There are lessons to learn from everyone. And you, I mean, even as a young person with all the bravado that comes with youth, uh, the, it's important to, um, to have those breakthrough learning moments and, um, and, and pause uh, long enough, listen long enough uh, to take away the lessons. Yeah. I mean, already there's, some great uh, nuggets here. Tell the truth. Uh, listen. Um, there's something to learn from from everyone. Uh, even you know, even the people that we don't uh, necessarily uh, maybe enjoy or like. You know, there's things to learn um, really from everyone um, that we come across, especially as as leaders. Um, and and in our in our institute, you know, we use and you're familiar with this from your short time with us, but we use the terminology of soil, you know, and that's, I think, part of understanding and, and cultivating the soil is we really have to, to listen to people in our organizations, in our communities, um, and learn as much as we can. It uh, doesn't mean that what we hear is always the right thing or th- the best thing to do, but just understanding our soil is, is very important. And, and understanding our soil is another way of saying understanding our, our people. But I want to I want to run with this idea of, of telling the truth that you shared because I, I feel like it's very relevant to what the topic that that uh, you presented on with our our group last month and it was consistency and clarity and I feel like telling the truth is is a vital part of that and I know you know you you spent uh, an hour and a half two hours with our group so there's a lot of you know a lot to be said about consistency and clarity but um, maybe maybe start with uh, some of your uh, preparation for that um, and some of, you know, let us into some of your thought patterns as you um, were planning, uh, you know, a presentation for a group of leaders around consistency and clarity. Well, I, I really approached it, as you know, through uh, a lens that I'm most familiar with and, and that that's branding and marketing. And so I, I started thinking about what are the lessons that I've taken away from uh, from my work 
in uh, branding and marketing, which which really um, the hallmark of those um, endeavors are uh, consistency and clarity. And it really kind of falls into two categories when you think about it from uh, uh, that perspective. And and well, the first is um, aesthetic uh, consistency. And we talked a little about that, that it's kind of the most obvious type of branding, uh, logos and uh, appearances and, um, and the use of uh, those things as a tool, a shortcut to recognition and um, decision making. And we talked about some of the great examples that we can all relate to and associate with uh, the, uh, their brand just by recognizing um, what their look and what it means to us and how we associate it with tangibles. And we talked about how in for leaders that, um, uh, that the branding lesson is similar uh, to the organizational leadership lesson, what you say must be clear and consistent with the tangible things mm-hmm. I can relate to, what I see and what I feel. And so actions and behavior are the tangible representations of your leadership. And consistency and clarity is what instills confidence and inspires trust in your brand of leadership. And we spent a lot of time talking about uh, what that leadership brand uh, is individually and and asking them to reflect on their own brand of leadership and Mm -hmm. how consistency and clarity uh, informs it. Have you seen... uh... Because I, I love the terminology of, uh, you know, leadership brand, but have you seen, you know, an evolution um, from, you know, this branding and marketing aspect of how it's related? You know, now, for example, this topic of leadership brand, it makes it makes a lot of sense to, I think, a lot of leaders now. But I don't know if, if that was always terminology used when, when um you know, talking about leadership and if leaders were thinking about that word of what is their leadership brand. But I feel like nowadays the word brand, you know, means a lot to people more than, like you said, a, a logo or, you know, the the products that we consume. But, it you know, it relates so powerfully to an individual's brand, especially a leadership brand. Have you seen, um, you know, kind of an, an evolution in, in, in leadership and how they they lean on this idea of having a leadership brand? It makes sense. I have most. Yes, I think that I think that the you know a lot of people write about it now uh, in in a um, in an academic kind of a sense. I think living it is is the best way to think about it because and relating to what how those things translate, how those concepts, those principles uh, translate to the organizational. A setting, and and obviously to the personal setting as well. But we were talking about the organizational setting, so we know that a clear vision and, and clear actions, consistent with our brand, our goals, our purpose, are critical to achieving mm-hmm. our uh, overall uh, objectives. So, so we we think about them, you know, in practice, um, having a strong framework that translates uh, into things that I can see in into things that I can relate to. And so um, it, it, it's in the doing. Mm. It's, it's not just in the saying. So oftentimes we talk about all these things uh, in, in word and uh, it's so critically important that, uh, that we demonstrate what we're intending. And what that intention and how it how that intention translates yeah. in uh, action. So uh, if you say one thing, um, it 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 matters that we um, that we demonstrate it on a very real and consistent uh, basis. And and you know we can think about examples in our in our work life, our personal life, all across the board where we say things. And uh, find ourselves uh, doing uh, doing quite the opposite, uh-huh. or uh, applying it inconsistently. So it's okay for this department, but it's not okay for this department. Or yesterday, the priority was this, and now we're going to give you another priority. This is the this is our top priority. And the very next week, we find ourselves sending our managers and supervisors out with yet another priority, yeah. top priority, and they're all the top. 
and there's this, uh, you know, and this and the inconsistency of that. We don't we don't think oftentimes about how confusing that is. Yeah. Uh, what do you what do you expect your people to do with that inconsistency? Yeah. And do you create an environment where it's safe even for for them to um, point that out and ask for clarity? Yeah. So uh, in leadership, that clarity is so critically uh, essential. And I talked about the clarity and consistency being kind of the uh, double-sided coin. Uh, they 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 um, are integrated and um, and they are practiced together all, mm-hmm. all the time. So making what you believe crystal clear um, is 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 important, and then being consistent with how. Um, you apply that across the board and how those two uh, principles uh, partner um, effectively. Yeah. I, I just, I loved the whole idea around brand because, you know, when you think of branding, of going through a branding process and, and, you know, even us, when we were branding this leadership Institute, you know, there's things like, and people in the branding and marketing world will totally get this, but you know, there's things like branding guidelines and there's certain right. certain fonts and colors and and things that you use and even how you you know how you use them and you have to stay consistent to that otherwise you go outside of the brand and it causes confusion and it just looks it doesn't look in form and i love the the relationship and the correlation of of that very practical you know literal sense of brand guidelines to your leadership that if we go outside mm-hmm. of of our brand we're going to create um confusion um, and you know, we're going to lack consistency for sure. And, and there's not going to be a whole lot of clarity around what's going on because especially if we've, if we've given a, some sense of, uh, uh, an idea of what our, our brand is. Um, and you know, we have a, I have a friend, um, who I used to work with and let's see if I can get his, his, what he says, right. Um, I have it written down somewhere, but not with me, but he says, you know, as leaders, your people, they will forgive you when you're not being the leader that you should be, but they have a mm-hmm. hard time forgiving you when you're not being the leader that you told them you would be. And I see that, you know, going hand in hand with this idea of, of brand. If, if we've told our people that we're going to be a certain way and, and we're not that way, they have a hard time forgiving it versus they'll just forgive us when we're making, when we make little mistakes here and there. When we're not being how how we should be, you know, they'll they'll, they'll let it go. Um, and I, I just I see a lot of um, you know co- correlation to to this idea of branding. Uh, but Salam, so I Salam has a question. I've I've been I've been cutting him off. Sorry, Salam. That's okay. Uh, great conversation. And then and actually, my my question builds on this conversation that you were uh, having with Chris relative to branding and consistency and and. Um, um, just the leadership traits that are essential for that. So I want to bring it back to our framework, our groundwork leadership framework. And Chris touched on the soil component of it and the people part and the mindset and how we approach things is that things is definitely a key component of soil work. Um, I was, as I shared with you actually at the time, I was really intrigued by your discussion of consistency, uh, of and clarity, but not certainty. Mm-hmm. And I uh, want to give you the opportunity to elaborate on that in the context of seeds. So the seeds part of of the framework touches on innovation, new ideas, uh, new perspectives, new experiences, and you've benefited from some innovations that were introduced by these two individuals that you discussed early uh, earlier. Um, uh, early on in your career. So as we talk about uh, innovations in the context of seeds in our framework, quite often people want certainty. They want to know where a leader is taking them or when a leader is discussing some concepts or some directions, they want to know exactly where they're going, what's going to happen, who's going to do what. Uh, and these are these typical organizational dynamics that play out in that context. So could you elaborate on that with regards to our seeds notion and this ground leadership framework? Right. So what you're doing with clear action is demonstrating the value and clarifying and reinforcing what's important. When I contrast 
what you say uh, and it lines up with what you do, it creates trust. It, it feeds the soil and it provides a fertile ground for ideas. And, you know, that yes, yes, and culture that we that we try to cultivate and it helps promote engagement and confidence, all because consistency and shared goals and expectations are nurtured and cultivated. And when that kind of clarity is missing, uh, the guidebook is thrown out, the guardrails come down, the direction is spotty, unclear, inconsistent, conflict grows. Um, weeds sprout up confusion frustration disharmony that's uh, an environment that weeds uh, are encouraged to grow and it it typically is is also accompanied by unclear priorities or um or fear of saying no um all of these things are present you know when it's a kind of an unclear environment and the consistency and clarity that that people seek um, it is from leaders is an essential to you know successful uh, outcomes um, because you don't you want uh, you want uh, effectiveness and you want um, harmony uh, that's an environment in which uh, the um, uh, the soil is healthy and you're creating an environment uh, that people want to live in yeah so uh, that clear picture of expectation and the drive um, that's that comes from purpose and sense of purpose. You know, we talked about some of the um, uh, the clarity being, you know, kind of the fertilizer and the messages that you send in word and deed as the seeds and the consistency that helps uh, those the seeds grow. And when they're out of whack or missing is when conflict uh, tends to emerge. And that's really the lack of alignment with mission and or brand. So um, it, it really is impossible uh, to succeed without clarity around who and what you are and that sense of purpose and what you're striving uh, to achieve. If you're not clear on purpose, it's like trying to win a race without knowing what direction to run. So um, it, it, if the goals and direction aren't clear, the finish line just keeps moving. And uh, that is an environment. I don't know if if you've been in environments like that. I certainly have. Uh, oftentimes, I'm uh, invited into environments like that to try to help create and bring back that sense of purpose, that clarity, and to provide the tools uh, to um, cultivate that uh, that ground into uh, creating a more um, a clear sense of purpose and to align actions with yeah. intentions. So we did talk a lot about the the that whole notion that certainty, um, it, it, the strive for certainty, and and that it's okay uh, to um, to not promise certainty in an environment when you're the leader, and to be honest and straightforward about what you know and what you don't. And we talked about the the current environment with the um, the onslaught of uh, the pandemic and the and the uncertainty that has created an external force coming in to create um, uh, an, an incredible environment of uncertainty and and the uh, the uh, the desire for certainty that that creates in um, in your environment in your organizations is is uh, understandable, but sometimes there uh, there is there it takes time it takes information. It takes uh, external waiting for external uh, forces, uh, oftentimes things you don't control uh, to stabilize in order to be able even to clarify. And so as a leader, um, being, you know, having created an environment where, you know, there isn't this hard and fast all the time um, sense of uh, uh, hardline certainties being provided. Um, I know if you say, I don't know, but I, when I do, you know, we will be providing that next step. Yeah. It's, um, it's the environment of trust that's been created that allows you to uh, not see fear um, uh, invade immediately uh, when an an uncertain environment um, uh, comes, not even of your own making. So we did talk about disasters and disaster drills, you know, all my years in, in hospitals. 
um, and crisis management, you know, taught me great lessons about um, about the value of consistency and clarity. We practice our protocols to build in consistency and learn how to respond in the event it all falls apart yeah. in an instant. And so, you know, when disaster strikes, and 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 we're very good about that. Uh, there are other environments that practice protocols. Um, oftentimes, uh, to so that the response becomes uh, nearly automatic, but again, not certain, because there always needs to be room for the leader, uh, even if it is um, a uh, a temporary leader. And oftentimes, in disasters, we have to appoint um, or assume um, a position of temporary leadership uh, to provide guidance and direction. In, at uh, a department level or at a unit level or at a location where um, it, we're not going to be able to have instant uh, access to uh, perhaps an executive leader. So we need to be prepared to make decisions of an instant based upon our purpose and letting our purpose make uh, be the guide and provide those guide rails for us in an uncertain, a time of uncertainty. Yeah. So high stakes decisions when they have to be made in highly compressed time frames, often on the spot, um, you you don't have time mm-hmm. uh, to seek you know guidance from twenty two other sources. So um, it shrinks to the minute or the moment. And so understanding the vision and understanding you know your guide rails um, are critically uh, important. And uh, oftentimes provide, you know, that sort of confidence that you need uh, to be the leader of a moment. I really appreciate how you touched on many of the traits of leadership and and purpose in particular is something that often gets um, lost in the mix of all of these traits and qualities that are necessary for different times of leadership, if you will. And I really appreciated your um, connecting the the three components of the framework, the the soil seeds and weeds, and how the three are interdependent and interplay off of one another. But what I hear you saying very clearly is the importance of cultivating the soil, having good soil, because if you have a soil that's based on trust, based on confidence, based on honesty and integrity and humility as a leader and a clear purpose, that allows you to do some of the innovative work that may have some ambiguity to it. And I think that's one mm-hmm. of the traits of leadership is being comfortable with ambiguity. But if, you're, if your organization and your people trust you, that makes it a lot more possible to do ambiguous, uncertain, or not so defined work, if, if you will. And uh, neglecting your soil leads to a lot of the conflict, confusion, apprehension, mistrust, you name it. And that's, that's, those are the weeds that most leaders have to contend with. So I really appreciate the thoughtfulness in, uh, with which you described how these elements um, interact with one another and that the soil piece is so essential for everything that we want to do as leaders. Yeah, you, you, know, you, uh, you know, you naturally brought the topic of consistency and clarity you know, into the weeds portion of our, of our framework. Um, and, you know, weeds being conflict. And obviously, uh, if, if we lack the consistency and clarity, like you said, the weeds will surely, um, uh, sprout or continue to grow or get deeper, you know, more deeply rooted in. Um, and that, you know, can cause a, a world of problem for us. And, and I, you know, Salah mentioned this, but I loved that you brought up trust. You know, if we, if, if we go outside of our brand guideline, uh, you know, as leaders, uh, we we taint any sort of trust that's being built. And you know, a lot of my background is in conflict and conflict resolution and conflict transformation. And trust is obviously a huge component in helping people get to a place to where they can figure things out. Um, it's 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 ne- it's a absolute necessity if you want to transform a conflict. People need to trust each other. But there's always this huge misunderstanding that trust is this sort of it's you know it's this thing that's just going to be there. Well, I can't I can't move through this because I don't trust that person. You know they say I can't do this because I just don't trust the other side. 
Well, I always have to remind people in conflict that trust is an outcome. It's not a prerequisite, you know? Um, trust is not a prerequisite when coming to the table because if you don't trust each other, you have to build it together. And so it becomes an outcome rather than a, you know, a, a prerequisite. Motivation, yeah. right. Um, and I, you know, I hear you say that as well with, with leaders. And as leaders, you know, we, it would be silly to think that trust is automatic. We have to earn it. We have to build it. It becomes an outcome of our leadership brand, brand of our soil work. Um, it's not a prerequisite to to leadership. It, it's an outcome. It is what I believe, and and that's what I, you know, I, I heard you saying. And and for us to start to gain the trust of of our people, whether it's in our organization or our community, um, the very simple concept of staying to our brand, you know, as you word it, um, in in our in our language, in our language, it's more cultivating the soil um, starts to build trust uh, and enhances our, our ability to lead. Well, it yeah. comes from experience too. So uh, in my, in my experience, the, uh, and the reason I talk about disasters in times of crisis is that, that these are the times when the results of your prior investment, in clarity and consistency reveal themselves. Mm-hmm. This is when, you know, whether your individual teams are confident enough to step up to make decisions effectively and consistently with purpose. And it's during these times that we learned that we tr- to trust ourselves and each other working side by side. Yeah. And, um, and the organizational structure flattens. Nobody is any more important than anybody else. Yeah. And there is, I tell you, there's just no substitute for that experience. None. Yeah. This, it it's, really, it really it's, is. It's a, it's a when when you're part of an organization that's that way, it becomes. I mean, it almost like it's a, a transcendent feeling. Like this is, you know, it's not a. It's we're not used to it. I guess where where I like how you said it flattens out and everybody becomes vitally important. It's a really incredible feeling um, to be a part of. And uh, sorry, I, I didn't mean it to is. cut you off. No, it 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 is true. Uh, it is an experience that we need to build in. Mm-hmm. to our organizations and, and the way we manage our teams. We need to allow people to experience failure, yeah. to experience uh, stress in, a, in these situations, and to lead. Practice. They need to practice stepping up. Yeah. Uh, being in situations where you don't have all the answers uh, uh, and being allowed, I have a friend who calls it, uh, putting people in the inescapable path of learning Mm. and, and really what, even if, even if they're going to fail, uh, there is no substitute to practicing, uh, that. And I learned that early as a very young manager, uh, and leader in, uh, in healthcare, you know, um, being placed in the administrator call position. Uh, no way you can prepare someone for that. It, it, it had to be experienced. Yeah. Because every situation is different and new and unique. And it, they, uh, I learned so much um, being allowed to um, have that responsibility. Yeah. I, it, it's, no one could have explained it to me ever. Yeah. Um, I, I love the conversation. And, you know, it reminded me, um, you know, the first time I experienced kind of that almost, you know, I use the word transcendent feeling of where um, it felt like everybody was, nobody was more important than the next. Um, it was actually when I was in college and I, you know, I played collegiate soccer and there was one year, it was my, uh, I believe it was my junior year that our team had that feeling. And I had never, you know, I had never experienced that before, especially in athletics. And, and, you know, I'll be honest now, even into my professional life, um, there's moments like that, but it's not always that way. And so we, it was like, we kind of hit this, you know, hit this tune that we just, you know, stayed on for the rest of the season. But I could go back and I can remember that the, you know, our, our most important impactful players were no more important than our red shirt freshmen that, you know, always sat on the bench, right? And we all it, there was just this feeling of everybody's important and everybody has a role to play and everybody is crucial to our success. And looking back, I'm not quite sure what got us to that point. You know, our coach, a dear friend of mine still, I actually want to get him on a, uh, you know, uh, an episode, but you know, he, his personality was pretty, you know, he's pretty domineering. He's dominant personality. Um, but he was 
you know, pretty fresh head, you know, head coach. And so I think there was this, this vulnerability about him as well. And, and it cultivated, um, to some degree, this feeling of, of, uh, you know, as, as you said, uh, um, we're, we're all, we're all the same. And, it didn't mean that we were we were dumb and we didn't understand our roles. Everybody had a role to play, and of course, you know, some people knew that that uh, others were going to play and others weren't. And there was all of that was still at play, but there was this consistency throughout the year where um, we were all on the same page. And you know, it taught me uh, how hard it is to to get there as as leaders. You know, um, it doesn't happen overnight, um, and there's no there's no quick fix solution. Uh, it takes time and, and effort. And, and when we talk about soil, you know, and dealing with the weeds and nurturing the seeds, it takes sometimes this delicate um, intentionality to get deep in there, deeply rooted and, and, and really make these, help these things come to pass because they won't happen um, on their own. So appreciate you, uh, you, you um, sharing that. Well, there there, it's something that can be replicated, certainly. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the in the session, we did talk about how important it is to provide in in your individual settings and um, allow uh, for opportunity in your leadership brand uh, to lift others up. Yeah, and help others help others reach their goal. Give them assignments. Don't expect them to be perfect. Uh, create an environment where everybody has the opportunity to lead because as leaders really our job is to create other leaders. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And that seems, you know, of course it, it, it is a, a recurring therm, theme, sorry, but it, in many of our, the episodes we've, we've recorded that always comes up, you know, that our job as leaders is to create other leaders is to um, grow other leaders and, and, and help people, um, grow as, as individuals. So, yeah. Could, okay. Can I get you to elaborate on that a little bit? And, and I am like Chris, I really love this notion. It comes up in these conversations. And I believe that is one of the key responsibilities or obligations that we have as leaders. And that is to grow other leaders and create an environment for others to have the opportunity to lead and invite them to lead. Mm-hmm. However, you mm-hmm. often talk to leaders that say, I have to lead because if I'm not leading, then um, people think that this ship is rudderless. Uh, I have to be in the forefront because I have to take uh, I have to take all of the blame or all of the criticism. I have to buffer my my um, you know my deputies, if you will, or my managers, and and therefore um, the leader ends up in the front at all times. While thinking, they're actually doing the leadership work of giving, of recognizing talent, empowering talent, creating an environment or, or the right conditions for them to lead. But they also feel this desire to, to be a buffer, to be the person that takes all the arrows, so to speak, instead of giving others an opportunity to fail, if you will, because they're afraid that if others fail, it may be a reflection on their leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's it's a very complex issue, but if if you can talk about it from your own experience and just any thoughts that you have, that would be great. Well, as you were talking, I, I couldn't help but think about the you know the my some of my best uh, leadership lessons have been as a follower. So the uh, um, because what's a leader without a follower? So I wonder how how that style of leadership uh, is at creating a leader versus, you know, demanding, um, you know, uh, kind of condemning you to be a follower forever. So um, the, the interesting thing to me in my experience has been, I've gained more uh, success and progress in, in advancing the interests of the group or the whole you know, rather than my own, you know, my, it's all, it just every single time it's, it has been, you know, that uh, choir of soloists notion that I talked about in the presentation where, where you really want uh, the symphony, you want, you know, the, the chorus uh, to be and the good harmony 
rather than, you know, the conductor of one. And uh, I think trying to position yourself in a, um, to take the buffer sounds more like an excuse or fear driven by fear of your own, what it's going to, what the impact is going to be on you. And, and I've, I've seen more leaders uh, be more successful worrying more about the impact on the group uh, and consistently being um, transmitting that and, and, and how that engenders so much more willingness to follow if, if you think that the interest that's being uh, furthered is the whole whether it's at the unit level or the department level or the organizational level. And uh, the interest um, helping, you know, ensure uh, the interests and the goals of the others. That's why getting, putting some folks in temporary positions of leadership and not just throwing them into the water, uh, knowing that they'll swim, but rather, you know, uh, nurturing uh, along the way and making it clear that you're providing, uh, you're putting so-and-so in that position, um, with you mm-hmm. so that it's, it's not, uh, out there on their own making things up, but it's rather, you know, it, it's as your envoy, as your, um, uh, representative. Uh, and one of the tools that I love to use is pilot projects and pilot um, uh, uh, giving, you know, uh, the uh, trial so that we're going to work together on this pilot and see how it works. And in part of that pilot is going to be allowing um, others to assume uh, other roles and try them on. And we're all going to support them. Uh, so it, and then go back to our other roles yeah. so that everybody gets a chance, you know, to serve and try on some of these these um, uh, additional roles and responsibilities along the way, uh, it makes for a much more vibrant organization. I don't know if I answered your question, Salam, or not, but it's what it made me think about as you were uh, talking about it, uh, being mindful of of you know both the capacity and the pace of others along the way, um, and and being able to you know build a sense of ownership and buy in from your teams. Uh, rather than a feeling of indestructible you know, nature, your own indestructible or your own uh, your ownership, I tend to think of it more about the group, uh, and you know that everyone plays a role uh, in making the the uh, choir um, stay in tune. Yeah, and I really love that analogy, and and I can't I can't help but think about the accountability aspect of soil because it it does revolve around the individual the leader and making the change that they want to see in their organization first so i no i really appreciate the way you, you describe that and uh the symphony analogy is absolutely uh right on and um and and there's an element of accountability here in terms of our responsibility our duty as leaders in this context of building and cultivating healthy soil. Yeah. And you, you know, you, uh, you went even deeper, you know, when we talk about cultivating soil and, and, you know, I know that we sent you some of the, some of this around our, our framework, but, you know, Salam mentioned this top levels accountability and, and the, the levels beneath it are see people and, and deeply see people. And those can seem a little abstract, but what you just described, you know, made it practical. Like when we, when we see people, we take other people into account. Um, and, and that's what you, you know, you were talking about, uh, when we deeply see people, um, we have a sense of, of, you know, we use the word in, uh, in, in our framework of seeing them as beloved, you know, uh, and, and we even use the word love and not in a friend, you know, a best friend or romantic type of a way, but that, I'm willing to love you and see, really see you even when it's not easy. And as leaders, any leader knows that times as a leader, it, there's plenty of times where it's not easy um, in your organization or in your personal leadership or even in our community, which we see all over now. And so are we willing to deeply see um, uh, and have that be a part of our, our brand, um, I think is, is an important question. And, you know, we only have a few minutes left, but 
there's a question that you ask our leaders, and it's a question that I want to just put out there for any, any listeners to continue to think about whether you've thought about it before or not. But you ask them, you know, really simply, what is your leadership brand? Um, and you know, we allowed them to to talk about it. And I I was roaming about, and I heard some great conversations because. I don't think a lot of them have ever thought about it that way before or had to answer <laughs> to somebody else about what their leadership brand is. And so I love that question. I feel like um you know that was uh, really thoughtful and 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 maybe seemed like a really basic question to you but uh, you know I've been thinking about it ever since so I encourage anybody listening to to consider what your leadership brand is and go and explain it to somebody. Um write it down. Um, be really uh, specific about it. Um, perhaps you've already, you know, identified a purpose, your purpose that you have as as leaders. But um, a new way to look at it is is seeing it through this lens of branding. Um, and so, okay, that was something uh, really helpful that you left with us, among many other things. But in closing, and I wish we had more time uh, because there's a lot more to be said about uh, everything we've been discussing. But in closing, you know. You've you've mentioned already, uh, you know who some of these people might be, um, but we always love to ask, you know, what leaders um, have been an example to you, or mentors to you, and and why. And you mentioned those two individuals, and it may be them, it may be somebody else, um, but I'm always curious to hear, you know, who who have, who's who's been a great example of leadership in your life, um, whether whether it's a uh, a person you actually know, or uh, you know, a character, uh, some uh, to some degree. I mean, it could be anyone. But really, really interested in hearing. Well, I've had a lot of, of, of very strong influencers in my professional life. For for certain, um, I had a very um, a vice president of development at a hospital I worked for, who uh, Dave Fleming, who was a wonderful uh, individual and an incredible uh, professional. And he taught me so many things um, at, at, at a very important time in my life and career um, that that just put me on a path, uh, uh, such a more positive path than I might have been otherwise. Mm-hmm. Taught me some important lessons about um, about uh, focusing on uh, making things better instead of of uh, focusing on um, uh, the things, fixing things. So the difference between fixing and and focusing on um, uh, making things better and uh, the opportunities. So I've done a lot of strategic communications audit in my um, uh, time and certainly now that in my um, company. And and now, and we focus uh, not on an audit of accusations, uh, pointing out all the things that are wrong, but rather on all of the strengths that exist uh, to build upon and the opportunities that can be taken, um, and how to make things better, building on strength. And that that really, as a result of the lessons that I learned from a very powerful and very positive leader, um, he also taught me an important, other uh, critically important thing working in. Of philanthropy, uh, and that is that it's um, helping other people accomplish uh, their goals is is a, is a gift, is a great uh, professional and personal gift to be able to be in a position to help others achieve their uh, goals and purpose. So those two, he was just a, an incredible influence in my life, and I'm very grateful for all those lessons that I take uh, today, uh, and for the days forward. So thanks for giving me the opportunity to say thank you to all those, those great leaders. Yeah. And I, I love it. Um, I love the strength-based approach to things. Um, it's always a hundred percent of the time more helpful and doesn't mean we ignore the things that can change and, and that need fixing, but the strength-based approach is, is such a valuable one. And, and, you know, with that latter point that you made, you know, it's interesting because you know, we're, we work for and with philanthropists here and, you know, they have a slogan, uh, that, that they live by and I love it. And it's, we want to help people find their own answers. Um, exactly. And if, and if we can help people, you know, it's like the, the old biblical, you know, adage, you give a man a fish or teach him how to fish, you know, we, we do plenty of both, but, uh, the latter 
helping people find their own answers is really important to us and our mm-hmm. work. So um, I love that. Um, Salam, any, any last questions for, for Kay before we, we wrap up? Uh, perhaps, and I just want to say thank you, Kay, because um, I, I loved your presentation to us and it's, uh, it really causes me as a, as a leader to do a lot of reflection and deep thinking mm-hmm. about my leadership, about my uh, impact, past, current, and future. I love your discussion with regards to purpose, because as leaders, that is something that we have to be always mindful of, um, especially if we are entrusted to lead others and, and cultivate the right soil for them to grow and be successful and effective, both as individuals and as, um, as leaders. So if you were to give some advice to, uh, let's say, up-and-coming leaders or aspiring leaders, what would be the one or two things that you would um, impress upon them to keep in mind as they pursue their leadership? Well, I think I certainly I would say uh, uh, listen more. Uh, you know, while you're talking, you're not able to do very much listening. So listen more is, a, is, a, is certainly a takeaway. I wish I'd had uh, that lesson earlier rather than later in my career. Uh, also, um, maybe a, a focus on communications and learning, learning uh, how to be uh, a better communicator. I think is a great is a great skill to have um, for leadership. It will serve you well in clarity and communication going forward and understanding. Uh, the simple idea. It's harder to sell a simple idea, but so much better. You know, um, those are three things I think I would offer just based on my own experience. That's fantastic. And, and that, um, that's great. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because right when you say, uh, listen more um, and, and improve our communication, I automatically think, you know, that the more we listen, the better communicator will we we will become because we will know what to communicate. <laughs> you know, um, all the mm-hmm. skill, all the communication skills in the world won't matter if I haven't spent time listening, um, because I, I'm going to be communicating things that aren't relevant or aren't helpful. So, you know, I, I even love the order you you put those in, intentional or not. But uh, you know, listening is is uh, I think you know comes before uh, great communication. So. Mm-hmm. Well, um, thank you, Kay. Uh, really have enjoyed um, our time with you. And, you know, I mentioned this to you when you were here in person, and I'll say it again. Uh, I, I was blown away with your, uh, your presentation and your time with our, our group. I know everybody else really enjoyed it. You know, when, when I can look around at a group and they're desperately trying to take notes because everything that you're saying is so, is so great, you know, it's a good sign. And, you know, for me, the indicator of, of any good presentation is when I personally feel two things. And this is what I mentioned to the group, you know, right after you were done, it was, gosh, I have a lot to improve <laughs> on, but I also feel this incredible sense of motivation and inspiration. Um, and so I felt both of those things. I felt, wow, I, I got a lot to work on. And, uh, but at the same time, I felt really inspired and motivated to go out and, and make those changes. Um, and I felt that again today, uh, with you. So uh, appreciate you. I hope that we can have you back, um, you know, in future years, like, like I mentioned, um, and maybe potentially another, another episode, but really enjoyed our time together. It was a pleasure. I just say ditto to everything that Chris said, and I hope we have another opportunity to, uh, bring you back and continue to have the benefit of your wisdom and experience relative to leadership in all of its dimensions. Thanks so much. All righty, Kay. Well, we'll we'll uh, we'll talk to you later, and and please you know, reach out if you uh, if you ever need anything. Will do. Thanks. Okay. Thanks to you both. Okay. Take care. Bye bye. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, you know, you heard it again. Another great uh, episode with another uh, fantastic leader. Uh, not here in Salem. They are, you know, Kay's down in in California, and we appreciate her time uh, here with us. 
and uh, when she was here in person, as well as this time that we've had for this episode. So, uh, Salam, we, you know, this is always a treat when we get to do these because we get to talk to so many great leaders and and really get them uh, almost behind the curtain. You know, things that that they share with us. I don't feel like they are able to share often, especially the as we call the everyday leaders that we have here. Now, of course, when we have authors and thought leaders come on, they're just preaching the things that they always preach, and it's awesome. But I love uh, discussing things with uh, with some of our community leaders, like we've had in, in weeks past, where we get a kind of get an uncut version of of their perspective on leadership. Yeah, I I truly um, appreciate their humility. I appreciate their passion for what they do. I learn from every, each and every one of those conversations. I leave with with many questions, um, lots to reflect on, and in great admiration for many of the leaders that we have here in our community and the way they approach their work. But this desire to continue to grow and and to enhance their leadership, which is really the purpose of the Groundwork Leadership Institute, is about cultivating leaders uh, of today and for tomorrow to serve our community. So I am so grateful that we have um, these podcasts and and the opportunity to interact with so many fine individuals and leaders in our community and beyond our community as well. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Well, uh, that's, uh, appreciate Salam being in here in studio with us. And uh, thanks anybody for joining. Uh, It's been another good episode. Uh, You're getting, you know, you're getting what we're getting. This is, we make very little cuts to these uh, episodes. So, um, you're you're hearing what we're hearing from these uh, these leaders that we're, we spend time with. So until next time, stay safe and take care.